Tamarindo Podcast. Un podcast para ti y para mí. Tamarindo Podcast is your hosts, Luis Octavio and Brenda Gonzalez. And we are your socially conscious talk show with a Latino vibe. We are amigos talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! Hey, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. On this episode, we're going to talk about what we're watching on TV. Brenda gives what seems like all her 13 reasons why she's watching 13 reasons. And I give you a little bit of Lengobernable. So we also talk to modern day Renaissance man Uriel Sainz, a celebrated leader who is an international fashion designer, military veteran, former Marine to be exact. And now he is the VP of Multicultural Development and Strategy for the LA Times. We get very deep and personal with Uriel, learning the many challenges he has overcome and the barriers he is breaking. He talks about his role as a single father and gives a humble and vulnerable account of a recent experience he is living as a parent. This is an important episode. Sensitive listeners, please, please know we will discuss domestic violence and rape. So, Luis... ¿Qué pasa? What's new with you since we were last in the studio together? I know it's been a little minutes, no? Este, nada. Well, I'm excited because this weekend we're actually going to go see our good friends, Latinos Who Lunch. Yes, what are they doing? They are moderating a panel at RuPaul's Drag Con. That's amazing. I, I, Increíble. Amazing. Who else is on the panel that we know? Well, I know, I know. Uh, nuestro good friend A.B. Soto is going to be on right, that panel. That's right, and then goddess Phoebe Robinson. Yes. Go Queens. It's going to be amazing. So, big shout out to Los Latinos Who Lunch will be in L.A. Yeah, I feel like when they go up on stage and they introduce them or whatever, we're going to be like, those parents and the kids like, oh recital. We're going to be like, yeah! Well, I know. I'll try to, yeah, I'll try to come. No, it'll be amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, what about I you? Love it. And we should, everybody, check out the hashtag support Brown podcast. Yes. You can see Latinos Who Lunch and a bunch of other amazing Latino podcasters. So super cool to see them get that level of uh, recognition. And yeah, we got our day pass, the drag con. So, you know what, Luis, what else is new with me? Um, I mean, let me think. Well, well, I can tell you that I know that this is going to air a little bit after, but um, this weekend we're going to do the, the tomorrow, actually, to be exact. I'm going to do the KPCC event on her. Oh. I went to the rehearsal on Thursday and How guess, exciting. guess what's, I'm, what? <laughs> what? What? I get a chancla, early uh, preemptive chancla. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to be able to uh-huh. like, like share my story. It's basically, it's going to be a bunch of um, true stories that people are sharing um, about their experience. Um, so for mine's going to talk about just my, my experience experiences um my immigrant story so that's gonna be what i'm gonna talk about but let me tell you that they did a rehearsal they scheduled us scheduled us for the rehearsal on thursday they said to be there at 6 p.m we did not leave till 9 p.m but guess what they did not have any freaking food like no snacks (laughs) nothing I was like getting so hangry. <laughs> they made us do a rundown of the whole thing twice. So, anyways, um, thank they, you. They didn't ask for your writer. No. <laughs> thank you for everybody that that got. I know. I was like, dude, can you at least bring me a snack? Like, geez, like give me something. Like, a little a um, granola bar. Or yeah, something, like no? I can't. Like, yeah, I need something to eat. <laughs> um, let's try this uh, wheel of topics that, that are our trompo. Our uh, what is the other? There's another word for trompo. I know there is, and I always screwed up. Trompo. 
Pirinola. 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 Okay. So our topics are telenoveleando, what we're watching on TV, tiburón tank, some funny uh, um, invention that we might have, saboreando, tasty food around town, cultura corner, any cool traditions Mm. that we want to share with our our listeners, and dichos, like lessons that we've learned from dichos. So let's uh, let's, let's do this little wheel of topics and talk about one of these things. Telenoveleando. So what are you Netflix and chilling on right now? Well, more Netflix, less chilling. Pero este, I watched um, Ingobernable because... The ba- whole thing? The whole thing. Oh, I'm because, only a couple episodes. Yeah, Babelito had mentioned it. And I don't know. I, I didn't really want to start watching it because I was like, eh, I don't yes, know how Babelito I feel. Yes, Babelito from Latinos Who Lunch. Yes, Babelito's, uh, Babelitos. <laughs> Babelito from Latinos Who Lunch. La Comadre. La Coma. Este, so I watched it and I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought um, the storyline, Every, of course, I'm not going to, you know. No spoilers. No spoilers. Uh-huh. Pero, pero yeah, it's it's really good and it left me wanting to see more okay. at the very so end. So far, I'm on the third episode. It's pretty like um, intriguing. I couldn't figure out how to get the freaking. Oh, that's have right. It, have it be in Spanish. <laughs> Luckily, producer Jeff, who also also fixes the TV for me, <laughs> made it so that I was able to watch it in Spanish. So it's you know, cool. um, one of the things that I really liked about it was the fact that they go into this barrio Tepito, right? And uh-huh. they and they mm-hmm. and it's amazing because every time I've gone to Mexico, like I always go to this barrio. And people say how it's so dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Well, it can be dangerous. But yeah. I think that if you go and you're respectful and you're not like... Looking for trouble. Looking for trouble, mm-hmm. then it's fine. And so I loved that. Yeah. I love that they showed Tepito, which is amazing. I love that. Um, second, um, I love that they brought in this um, lady who was the um, Guinness World Record champion for um, Albures. Oh. In Mexico, she's part of the cast, mm-hmm. and um, the one what thing, are albures? Albures are like double entendre, right? Oh, okay, like, okay, yeah, got double it. entendre. Mm-hmm. So um, they brought her. Um, the one thing I didn't like was that I felt like the way the tepiteños were speaking is not so Doesn't accurate. Talk, yeah, no? it's not accurate. I wish they would have. That would have just been the icing on the cake. I mean, the oh, series is great. Yeah. I just didn't like the. What do you mean, like, do the way that the, they do? They talk like too. Their slang and their, you know, there's a certain way that Piteño speak. They didn't quite nail that. But I love the, I love that they're trying and that they brought yeah. Tepito to, to the, you know, to the little screen everywhere. I guess. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if any of you are watching that show, let us know. I'm, I know I'm going to watch it. Yeah. What about you? What oh are my you gosh. Well, I've been sucked into. I wanted to be part of the national conversation around this stupid show called 13 Reasons Why. So any of you that follow us on all of the Instagram, you guys know that I'm obsessed yes, with I this show. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. It's frustrating because I watched the first episode and I can already tell, like, this is so stupid, but I'm sucked in. Like, there's a there's a hook because— no turning back. Yes, because the whole point—and you learn this in the first episode, so this isn't a spoiler— that the woman, the, the, the young girl that commits suicide uh-huh. and she records these 13 cassettes, tapes that for each one is the reason you're, you're a reason why I killed myself. So it's each one is dedicated to a different 
um, person. Person. Wow. Yes, I know. I would hate to be that one of those thirteen. <laughs> yes. People. So the whole point. It's so funny. There's like Holy a lot of shit. there's a lot of memes of like 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 a mom says. Mom says clean up clean up your room, <laughs> and then the meme says, "Mom, this is this is your tape. Welcome <laughs> to your tape." <laughs> so okay, so okay, so here's so the show. Thirteen. <laughs> oh god, I don't know. But let me tell you this this show. It's got about thirteen plot holes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. I mean, okay, so I, I understand that the intention, I think, is to shed a light on, like, um, high school bull- bullying, bullying, especially okay. online bullying, and the way that, that young girls in particular are tr- are treated by, by young men, sometimes the jocks, and, like, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, just things that we know are true. There's definitely, a lot of the show is rooted in truths about... You know, there's an alarming amount of teenagers that commit suicide. There is an, an alarming amount of examples of um, of very like over sexualization of young girls and basically predators online by of young boys. But and also there's like just the bullying and like the, mm-hmm. the disgusting nature that um, of the environment that sometimes can be very um, present in some in high schools. So that's what it tries to achieve, right? That's it. A, 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 um, a, I, I like the goal. That's a great topic to, to to talk about, and it's a very entertaining show. So it sucks you in. You do end up watching the whole. Uh-huh. Spend twenty six hours of your life watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some of the problems that I have with it, it's just okay. Kudos that there's a lot of diverse cast members. Oh, that's good. But not kudos in that, of course, the main characters are young, you know, a cis straight young white male and a cis uh-huh. straight young white female. So, you know, that's still frustrating because all of these uh, characters of color um, are just, you know, on the on the perimeter, mm-hmm. you know, right there. And even like the the the, the uh, major folks in the show that have like super super like big things happen to them, it seems to be just the white kids and for the least reasons like the with the exception of the one that kills herself like the main character there's other folks that are victimized that are in deeper ways in my view that don't do crazy things so it's a, it's an interesting show another thing that's very bizarre is that there's this angel-like character named ricky of course he's the latino so ricky has wears a leather jacket He's got greasy oh, hair. No, no se pide valance de casualidad? Basically. basically. He's, got, he's got... It's like my so-called life. It's totally like Ricky from My So-Called Life, except... Yeah, because he's gay, and he, Ricky from My So-Called Life is gay. Coincidence, Jeff, I don't know if you knew this, but Ricky from My, from my So-Called Life is in the show. He's the, he's the lawyer. He's an attorney. Oh. Which is why... This is part of the reason why I watched this show. Because I kept seeing on Twitter, 13 Reasons Why... Um, trending and especially this oh god I, I, I'm sorry I wasn't prepared to talk about him but the guy that plays Ricky who's amazing who I love and who should come on the podcast who's like a very woke bay um, and he's in that show and he talked woke about bae. it and that's what made me want to watch it because I was like wow if he's talking about it I better watch this show um, okay, so back to this myth- mythical, like, like freaking angel-like character, Ricky, who wears a leather jacket, who drives a Mustang. For whatever reason, he's the guy that can connect these kids to, like, old-school technology, like cassette tapes. He's like, I got you. Like, what the... F- oh he's like, it's God. just so insane. Like, his character is so insane. And he's such a noble character. He's basically the the, the angel guiding the, the, you know, good, wholesome white boy with, like, uh-huh. you know, with the, the virtuous, uh, righteous 
uh, almost inhuman type of character that this guy is. What I don't understand is if, if this guy was so freaking amazing and noble <laughs> and kind to his friend, the one that killed herself, then why why did she kill herself? Like nowhere in the show does it explain what Ricky did and why Ricky Ricky like is somehow responsible for these tapes getting played. Such that's a huge plot hole. Like that's a huge plot hole. There's some very sensitive topics. There's there's um there's rape. There's suicide. Very mm-hmm. graphic scene. There's what I think what I did appreciate some of these characters like these high school kids are way too sophisticated like no high school kid really talks the way some of them talk but I also appreciate what Netflix gets to do like they don't have to answer to like you know primetime TV it seems like like the, some right. of the limitations so there is a lot of like I, in one way it is how teenagers talk and then like the the uh, there's a lot of cuss words that normal teenagers use and as well as like some of the situations like mar- marijuana or alcohol or sex or other things that kids are doing so <laughs> I do um, you know that that was interesting but it was it was just so many plot holes the other back back to this Ricky thing like Ricky who's like the Latino kid from the bad from the bad neighborhood I did like that he was gay so that's cool even though he's like the yeah. badass thug he's like the gay badass thug um, so that was cool and then uh, but but like what I don't get is like there's no way in real life that Ricky would be that close of a friend with this girl that killed herself. Or if they were that close of a friends, like, I mean, nowhere in the show does it seem to show that they were such close friends. And according to Ricky, according to the show, this is not a spoiler alert, or it might be. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Turn it off for a second. He's, he uh, uh, recounts that he was the one that, like, was the first one to see her like that, like kill, killed herself. Like that one. But there's like, no freaking way that this kid was that close of a friend to this like this like wholesome white family. And, it's just, <laughs> and you know what? There's so many plot holes in this show. Now that you're mentioning that, I saw a video and it reminded me of you because I know that you've been posting on, uh, on our Instagram. I'm like so obsessed with this um, AJ Plus on uh, Facebook, they posted a video uh-huh. and uh, the like the title of it, uh, glorifying suicide with quotation marks. Um, and basically they're saying, yeah. is Netflix glorifying suicide with this new show 13 reasons why? Yeah. And they interview a now woman, but she said she's talking about how when she was 15 year old, 15 years old, her best friend committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. talking about how she was really close to her. Nobody treated her wrong. Uh-huh. But it's she still committed happened. suicide. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's what you're saying. Like, you know, there's no re- there's no way that, you know, this guy being so close to her, like, or to, yeah, yeah this girl. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, like, I'm really curious about. Now actual- I want to watch it. No, it's totally. <laughs> I wanted to just be part of the conversation. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm very curious to to people that have actually had suicidal t- thoughts in high school. Like, how how do you know what are their thoughts on this show? I mean, I think it, it's trying to do more good than harm, which is really to kind of shed a light on like the issue and to just be more thoughtful and, and ask your friends how they're doing. And that's kind of the message at the end of it. It's like ask your friends how they're doing and and don't listen to rumors and maybe you know like be be a better person. And Clay Jensen, of course, Mr. Vanilla, who's so cute but such a <laughs> regular dude. Um, you know, he's so perfect and like such a, such like the hero. He's so freaking cute too. So it was, it was, it was good to watch. I loved it. I felt, uh, I felt like, you know, I felt like when I was reading those, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, Moonlight series. Is that what they're called? Moonlight? The vampire series? I don't even remember now. It's been so long. Oh, the, uh, you know what I'm yeah, talking I know about. what you're talking Vampires, about. Vampires, you know, 
what's her face? Vampire Sparkle Party. Yeah, Vampire Sparkle. And and then I uh, I did look up who the actor is. Wilson Cruz. Oh, Wilson Cruz, you're the reason why I spent your thirteen reasons. You're one of the reasons why <laughs> that I watched this this freaking show. And everybody should watch it because I'm really curious about all your thoughts. All right, so that's enough about uh, us rambling and all the crap that we've been watching on the television. Let's um let's go hear from our friend Uriel. Yep. Híjole, Brenda, are you ready for this? I am. Really, pero en serio, are you ready? Yes, there's multi- multiple dimensions to this. So many dimensions. I'm really <laughs> excited. But we have with us Uriel Sainz. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you guys? Good, good. ¿Y tú cómo estás? How's everything? Good? Yeah, I'm decompressing right now, so walking into, into this. It's like, okay, let's decompress. So. Yeah, we record on Sunday, so sometimes folks are groggy. Sunday, fun day. Sunday, fun day. So tell us a little bit about your uh, your story because it's so fascinating. I mean, it's military, fashion, VP of Multicultural LA Times. Like, I know I'm missing so many other titles, but tell us. Well, the most important title you missed was that. But um, yeah. uh, I think, where do you want me to start? Like, I, I think we'll start with like... Your story, story your past. Yes. Yeah, like, yes. tell us well, about um, Wow. There's so much to Yeah, there's like this it's so difficult cuz it's like where do I start? Um I'm going to do chronological and start when I was a little boy. Uh-huh. Um you know, I grew up in a house in um where my parents I grew up in a in a in a home where my parents were together but they were not together. Mm. You know, it was a broken home that would live together and so I think it's a good place to start. Um, I always wanted to have a family. Um, and I grew up in a family that ate at 6 p.m. every night. Together. Together. Oh, nice. A typical uh, Mexican family. And again, I say we were together, but we're still broken. Um, my parents, uh, my mom was a victim of domestic violence. Mm. So I think um, during that time, I was... Um, I'm sorry. Oh, don't worry, so, pause. Um, it was just, it was just, uh, I didn't even know I was going to get into that. I know. I mean, <laughs> so, I know. Um, I, I, and then start that way too. <laughs> so um, it was, it was, it was fun. It was difficult, you know, and then my parents actually had a factory during that, during that time. And, and. Um, Where did you grow up? Where was it? I grew up in Bell Gardens. Oh, but before okay. that, before we moved to Bell Gardens when I was a kid, there was a time when we lived, when we lost the factory, we lived in, um, and Pico Union. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And um, I was like wanting to be a gang member. Are you recording? No, no. Oh, because you should, because this is like, it's probably just kind of. Oh, okay. Oh, Jeff of- and, uh, so you wanted to be a gang member? Yeah, well, I wanted to be a leader. But I didn't know what I that, that meant. I love that. I wanted to be a leader. Yeah, I wanted to be a leader. Like, I was like, I didn't want to be in a gang. I wanted to, like, own the gang. That's pretty oh, okay. <laughs> And yeah. so I was like, I was, like, I was, we were, we were at Pico Union. And I remember, like, going and, and, you know, getting cheese and, like, the whole lines. And I felt embarrassed, of course, as a kid, right? But we weren't always poor. So I didn't, I, that, so it really, it helped me kind of realize what it is to have and not to have i see so i grew up knowing what it was to have things and then knowing what it was to to lose those to things. lose those things and then also seeing my parents regain wow. everything back mm-hmm. you know so i know what it is to to work hard and struggle and i learned that from my dad my dad's a really hard worker so is my mom um 
So yeah, so that was that was part of the that, that's part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so no, wow, when I when I I wanted to um, I wanted to be in the gang, and they told me they're like, no, you're like one of the good kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the, the gang members themselves, yeah. they didn't even want me. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't even want me. And I was like, you're too smart. You're way yeah, too accomplished. It wasn't even that. It was just like I was a good. I I was like, I I, th- I feel like I've always had an angel kind of guarding me mm-hmm. and I always knew that and I, I've always even when I was like I was five at the time even then I, I, I knew it and I always asked for like for help mm-hmm, like you know guidance. like a guidance and, mm-hmm. and even as a five-year-old and I don't I don't know how I knew that I just always did know that I had like an angel and I said I, I, I always ask him like help me help me through this and so I asked that, you know, that I become, you know, a part of that gang. And, you know, that area is really bad if you're not from, from Los Angeles. The Pico it's, Union. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more about it because I think. Yeah. In that area, I lived in I lived in a studio apartment um, with, your family. with my family. Uh-huh. And there, it was uh, two bunk beds. Uh-huh. It was three brothers, a mother and my dad. Um, and just two bunk beds among all of and you? Just two bunk beds. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it was a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I want to say maybe 300 square feet. Like, oh, it was kind of like this like room. This music studio. Like, yeah, wow. This music studio. Um, so it was pretty small, but, you know, it, I remember going to school and, um, well, let me go back to the, to the, to the story about, <laughs> yeah. about the gangs. So then they didn't want me. And I was like, all right, then I'll just create my own. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll create my own. And, um, and nobody wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> so I would, I remember being, I remember, I, yeah, I remember being, being like the paletero would come by and I would like buy paletas and canicas and I would just play canicas by myself because nobody wanted to play with me. You know, oh my like gosh. my brother, my, my older brother, I was like, um, in many ways, my brother, my older brother, um, never wanted me to play around them. You know, it was always like kind of competitive in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, now we get along really a lot better, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was crazy. And then so was there a big age difference between you guys. Uh, yeah, like no, like a year. Oh, maybe that, that's too. That, sometimes it's too. Yeah, close, right? it's too close. Maybe, yeah, because yeah. sometimes it's it's difficult to. It's that regular brother rivalry. rivalry. Yeah, yeah, rivalry. rivalry uh-huh. And we, I, I think our competitive spirits really helped us throughout the time because he's also pretty successful himself so i think it pretty pretty much helped us um and now we're like back bonded again Mm -hmm. and that and now our success is what bonds us which is really weird Mm -hmm. it's like oh but you're doing so well i'm so proud of you and you're doing so well i'm so proud of you so and when you mentioned that that you're interested in being a gang because because leadership and i know that leadership is a a very essential part of being in the military how how did you from that background as a kid how did you look to the Marines as a as an avenue after graduating graduating high school? Yeah, so I wanted my my parents didn't have money for everyone to go to school, so my brother was the first one to go to college, um, and you know he he was a good student, he was um, top of his class, um, and and I was. I've always had I've always been in leadership since I was in middle school and and throughout the years uh, class president and like you know um a student you were the body class and I was yeah in and high I, school? yeah and I was also the 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 
the uh, editor in chief of the oh newspaper. my god, and I was also like, I love it. I was also in volleyball, and I was also in track, and I was also in <laughs> wow, this in high school. Exactly you were like, like everything. you are now. All these different yeah, I, I did everything in high school. Yeah, I was like, I wanted to get into everything and experience. I I knew like again from that angel. I always knew I wanted to. I didn't want to leave this world and not experience it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like so many people like just go through the motions and like for me it's about experiences so going back to how i got how how i wanted to to go into the marine corps mm-hmm. they they only had money for one one kid and you know and i i saw how my mom was using her 401k to like have my brother go to school wow. and all of that and i was like and i already knew the difficult time they were having and i was like i'm not going to first of all i didn't even think I was that good, even though I had a good GPA and I didn't, it's, it's part of like our mentality. I think as Latinos, we, we self-doubt, we self-doubt ourselves and maybe, maybe not even as Latinos, just as human beings. Sometimes, you know, you think like, wow, no, I can't really go to that school, you know, because it's not, that's not not, for me. That's That's not not for me. It wasn't. Yeah. For me. And so you, you start thinking, you start doubting yourself. And now I go, I think back and I'm like, I totally, I, I, I see and I hear who went to those schools and you know and i started thinking like like maybe that was good enough yeah no i was like oh maybe i was better than i thought but because i had a brother that was so accelerated i compared myself to him so automatically i thought well he um he went to this amazing school and now i'm i need to do the same so i decided to to go to the marine corps instead and and then I, 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 my mom didn't want me to, but she also didn't have the money for me to pay for mm-hmm. college. So I, I knew what my ultimate plan was. I wanted to go to school and I wanted to go straight into fashion and I wanted to do, you know, all of these things. But, <clears throat> but they didn't have the money and I wasn't going to let money stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to the Marine Corps. In reality, I wasn't even going to go to the Marine Corps. My uh, uh, a good friend of mine from high school was the one that enrolled, and she's like, "Come with me to the recruiter." And wow, she, is that oh, all it took? Yeah, somebody coming. And she took she took me, and I was like, I was like, "Yeah, well, if I'm going to be in a service, I might as well do the one that challenges." That's the most hard ass. Yeah. Like hard, so I think I, yeah, I have like an, an analogy about Marines uh-huh. and the person that goes into the Marine Corps. Yeah, like you know that if you're going to the Marine Corps, you can pick out of any service. But you know that that one is going to be the most challenging. Mm-hmm. So automatically, these these Marines or you know anyone that joins the Marine Corps has a spirit of you know of adventure, uh, adventure, of and of, of risk and trying to take challenge as a, as a like head as on a positive right? <laughs> thing and not and not and not see it as as. Um, and not see it as a challenge. I mean, or likes challenges. I mean, like they they walk right through, right to the, the to challenge, the challenge. Right? Yeah, like I, I I don't know. I've always done that, and it's kind of it, it, I'm getting to an age, like you know, where I'm like, do I really need to run to the challenge? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> like do I need to put myself in those situations? <laughs> like but you know, the, but they've been really good for growth. So yeah. So then I I I was there, and it was. An amazing experience to be a Marine. Were you there for, me. for four years? I was there for six years. Wow, okay. And I actually was there as a married man, and I was there as a single parent. Yeah. Uh, Were you married before you joined the Marines? or No, I got married. I, I, I met her after high school, and um, and there's some, like, 
she just came back into our lives. So my, my there's Aww. there's like really you know sensitive emotions. touches, there, a lot of emotions there. But uh, we 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 yes, met we really young. We were stupidly young, like <laughs> you know it's 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 like and I knew it and I I'm a I'm a Catholic guy, and and so I I think. I knew that we were young. So then I decided that we were not going to, and I say I decided because really I was just going with emotions. Um, so we, 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 I decided that uh, we get married at a chapel instead. But I knew that she was not the one because I'm the type of man that would marry someone by church. Mm-hmm. So automatically something I and you told you not to Yeah, something by something in me said like you're not ready for church yet. So and the Marine Corps gives you more money if you're married, which is which is incentive. Yeah, well, incentive. She can go to college. So I can I can get to college, you know, like that kind of stuff. So that was interesting. Um and so we did, we got married at Guadalupe Wedding Chapels downtown Los Angeles. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> right by the LA Times. Oh so my gosh! Yes. I oh, walk. Okay. I walk, I walk my dog by there, yeah. and it's like you can get married and divorced here. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally walk by where I got married to this every morning, day, every day oh during lunch. That's like incredible. so, it's a yeah, it's reminder. Re- it's a reminder of like, hey, be cautious. Were you un- <laughs> were you under twenty at the time? I mean, you must. Yeah, be- I was. I was. I think I was twenty. I wasn't even twenty one yet. Wow. I couldn't even I, drink at your own wedding. No. Well, I did though. I was no. Hold on. I was wearing white socks with a tuxedo. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I was wearing white. I didn't even know the difference at that time yet. Oh no! That's the real story here. <laughs> and you guys became young parents. So we became young parents, and you know, and um, and I loved her, and I still kind of do, I guess. Um, I I love everybody I've been with, so in in different ways. I, I they, they all like have a special place. Um, even though right now I don't like her too much, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I only don't like her that much because she came back. <laughs> that's you, you part her two. From a, distance, from a distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then I had we had a baby, and um, and you know, um, the Marine Corps again was an amazing, amazing contribution to my life. I wouldn't be Uriel Signs that I am if it wasn't for the Marine Corps. It like made me. Um, I'm going to say man up in a non um, like sexist non, way. Yeah, uh-huh. It's not like that. It's more like it made, it really made me grow up as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me realize a lot of things. Um, I saw racism there. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw um, everything, everything you can see. I, I, you see it. I remember, and this is a story I, I kind of want to tell because of the audience. Yeah, please. Um, I went to a we we wanted to go to a wanted to go to a club, mm-hmm. and I decided that we would go to a white club, which I did not even know it was a white club until later. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in Alabama during my training. Oh yeah, and I had I had two black friends that I wanted to go out with, uh-huh. and I was like, let's let's go out. Uh, they tell me, no, but we can't go to that club. I say, well, what? And I'm Californian, right? Yeah, you're like, and so, about? and it's 1996, and I'm and I'm I'm saying like, what are you talking about? No, we're going. There's no reason why we can't go, and like we're fighting for freedom, yet we can't use the freedom we're fighting for. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. So we 
I said, no, we're going. We went in. Oh, well, actually, we went to the place. I encouraged them to go with me. They're like, you don't understand. It's, and as a black person, they already knew that that was a place they couldn't go. But as a Latino, I didn't know that. I didn't even, I came from California. I was naive. I was, you know, young and I was power to the people. You know, I didn't know that there was no power to no people. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to um, go. So, um, and it wasn't about where it was or that it was a white club or that it was anything. I just wanted to go to out to this one place that they told me that it was good. Mm-hmm. And later I'll tell you why it was a disappointment. But <laughs> it was a disappointment in many ways. But what, we get to the door and the doorman says that we cannot go into um, the club. And I said, what? No, they're not allowed in here. You're allowed, but they're not allowed oh, in here. This is just present plain. recently. Yeah. Now. And so I was like. Wow, do you understand that it's 1996, right? So legally, you can't even tell us that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Why you? I know that." And the doorman was pretty polite in a way. He just was doing his thing, and this is how America is. Mm-hmm. So he was he was telling me like, "You you can go in there, but they can." I said, "It's 1996. What are you talking about?" He's like, "You're gonna make my job my job difficult." Wow. And I said, "Well, I guess you're gonna have to work tonight." Oh, so I said, "We're gonna we're gonna go in," and he um. The, the the guys went in. They felt uncomfortable, um, and they left. And then I, I, I didn't leave because I was like, I refuse to leave. You know, mm-hmm. I refuse to to leave a place where I'm fighting for my country and I can't and I can't exercise my own rights. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to like talking about all of our military that's serving right now, and and props to them. And you know, a lot of them are probably going to have to fight for a war with this president that, you know, probably a war they don't even believe in, you know, and for rights that they probably don't don't even want, that they don't even want to fight for. Mm -hmm. Or that they Yeah, they can't really have a say. And and the sad thing is that it's our, it's a lot of it is going to be our, our immigrant communities that, that are fighting, our young, you know, Latinos that can't afford for college like myself, um, the black community that is big in, in the military as well. Um, and so you have a lot of you have a lot of those cases mm-hmm. where, you know, they're going to be fighting for something they probably don't even believe in. So, I mean, so I got out, mm-hmm. but I got out. And maybe, maybe. So when when you got out, uh, you said you were there six six years. Were you still with your wife when you left the military, or? So I I got divorced two years prior to leaving the military, um, and I did, I I don't know why. I, I mean, I do know why, but I can't talk about it because I haven't told my daughter yet. But um, I I. Um, but it's gonna be in the book, though. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I got I. Her and I got divorced. It was um, we decided to 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 separate, and then um, through that, I had a really hard time with my separation. Um, and then my my wife left, and I need, I took care of my daughter mm-hmm. for a really long time. On my own, uh, really long time meaning like seventeen years. That is a quite uh, while. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I yeah, it was it was fun. That was a, that was a fun little story, but <laughs> that I haven't told you. But I know you. What do you guys want to know, right? Well, I mean, we want to know about your experience because now, I mean, you you are a a gay man today. Yeah. 
And how was uh, how was that experience? I mean, who you with who you are being in the in in the place that's I think during so, the time was don't ask, don't tell. What was that? That was like? that was kind of like a discovery for me. Mm-hmm. First, I didn't. I okay, so I I was raped when I was um, a little boy. Oh my goodness! And so. I just I didn't know what that meant, and I just thought like it was just I I, I you don't know what you know what you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so I thought that it was, um, as a kid, you know, I was like twelve years old, I think, at the time, and I was going through puberty, and you enjoy it, you know, and so you think like it's go it's part of it's part of growing part up. of grow. I just thought like right. I was at fault because I'm also clearly enjoying the situation right mm-hmm. so i was like well whatever and then so i thought i kind of t- tuned that out for a while you know and let's go back to pico union where we talked about mm-hmm. there was a little kid that i used to kind of experiment there was a thrift store in the front mm-hmm. where like and then we used to like climb up to these mattresses mm-hmm. and like and like hide in those mattresses and, like mess around and so but i didn't know like i thought it was just kind of the thing that you did when you were a kid and like you know all guys do this and then you go into the marine corps and you 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 do all these guy things that are guy things you know mm-hmm. um, and so you you just think that it's just part of being a guy and then you you know you i did i never thought that it would be that it would be me being gay, gay, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. gay, gay, <laughs> like right, double yeah. gay. <laughs> so, um, so uh, interestingly enough, I'm. St- I don't even like those words. And you don't even feel like maybe gay is not even the appropriate. Yeah, because there it, is no label. Yeah, there. I think there is no label because, um, like, I feel like love is love, and I I hate using that too because I hate all these words that are like. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. It right. really yeah. is, and yeah. in my case. You know, I really loved my wife and I probably would have been with her still had things worked out in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved uh, um, my exes and I, things would have worked out differently then, you know. Um, but I want to rewind to me getting out of the Marine Corps and when I realized that I was gay and how uncomfortable I felt. I felt like I could not be myself and going back to fighting for your rights and being who you can be, you know. I felt like I was fighting for a country that didn't allow me to be myself, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that's when I realized I needed to tell, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I needed, I wanted to live with a partner. I, li- I didn't want to hide. I didn't, at the time, I didn't know that I wanted to be... Um, with a male forever or a woman forever, but I knew I wanted my own choice. Mm-hmm. And so, go ahead. So, what? Um, who was the first person that you told, told this to? That you came out to? And well, what was that experience like? Well, that experience was sexy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> first, first person I told was um, first person I told was uh, a friend of mine, and it wasn't like I told him. I feel like I feel like he knew. Um, he was also married at the time, and um, he came out and. And um, we experimented, experimented again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah. And then so he, he took me through a lot of the things that I did not know even existed. He took me to, you know, clubs and the scene and like, Mm -hmm. he kind of guided me through the process Mm -hmm. in a unhealthy way. Mm. Um, And so I think he was taking advantage of my friendship for a lot of reasons in that particular friend. Um, but 
I think it opened up my eyes to the world and what's out there. I was very naive, you know, like you come from a Mexican family and you like you in a Catholic family and yeah. you like get sheltered, <laughs> you know, and I was the mama's boy. So I was extra sheltered. Um, and like people tell me, like, don't you remember when you were when you were a teenager and all of that? And I'm like. What are you talking about? I never did that. Like I never did that as a so teenager. Good, like, yeah, I was try. I was like, I, I, I tried at least. My mom thought I was bad, but I wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, and so I, <clears throat> I lost. Oh, we're talking about me getting out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And me getting you out. Experience all these. Yeah, who hasn't experienced with your friend? And I, I think you realize that, like, holy crap, this is not really the kind of gay that I want to be or the kind of person that I want yeah, to be. Yeah, person more than yeah. anything. Um, and, and so I decided I want to, I, I told, then I told, I told my, the second person I told was the, um, the, not the bishop, the, um, the priest. At your church? Yeah, at, at the, at the military church. Mm. Ooh, how did um, that go? And I told, he was very open. He's like, you know, you can be in the Marine Corps, just don't tell anybody. And you, I, I know other gays that are in here and they don't say anything. They live with their partners, but they, I go, but that's not what I want. The whole point is that I want to live a free life yeah. Yeah. and I want to be able to be, you know, whatever I want to be and whoever, with whoever I want to be and be happy. And, um, and I had already lost my wife, so it's like, why, I'm not going to, and I'm raising my daughter on my own. I want. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Somebody with me, you know? Um, and I want to be able to make that choice, whether it's a man or a woman, mm-hmm. by myself. That was the whole thing. And so that he said, well, you know, you can't. So I, I basically got out under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in my in my in my release papers, it actually says, which I'm offended by it because I didn't really have, it says for sexual activities, oh, you know? And I was like, oh what? God. Like, yeah, it's really, expl- it's like, really? Like, that's not, that's not how it went down, but that's what, the, what it says. So yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I clear that up. Mm. Because is that's I not- know, I wonder, I mean, that's very interesting. I wonder if there's some way for folks that were under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, now that, now no, that folks exactly. that- now that it's Open, acceptable yeah. and uh, rightly so, what fo- what folks in, in similar situations can do to kind of re- correct their record—that's very right. And 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 issue. yeah, and it's not even correct. I think it's yeah, the word is correct because yeah. it's wrong. But yeah. but um, so yeah, so during this time, okay, you're experimenting with your sexuality with this whole new world. Um, how old is your and daughter? lifestyle too? And, and yeah, and lifestyle. How old is your daughter by now? And at what age? So you start telling her, I, I had a hard time coming out. Then I came out to my mom finally. And I said, Hey, I, um, I'm going to take her to dinner. And I didn't know how to tell her. So I was like, I'm going to take her to dinner and I'm going to take her and my sister to dinner. And then I was like, why is he taking us to dinner? He never takes us to dinner. Like, that's right. <laughs> like it's no one's birthday. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just really want to take you guys out and talk to you. And then that didn't work out. And then, um, <laughs> that, was, that was try number one. Yeah. That was try error number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then I was like, wow, well, 
I'll get I'll gather all of them at the house and see if like maybe I'll just tell them all, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like I was just wanted to like do like rip the band-aid off kind of yeah, thing, you know? Like one at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but that wasn't like I and I think everybody has their process and it has it's very individual mm-hmm. and we have to respect it. Mm-hmm. Um and and for me it was my I I called my cousin, I said, Hey, um, she's she's lesbian and I said and everybody knew and I said, Hey, I'm trying to come out with to my mom and I don't know how to tell her. She's like, you don't have to tell her, I'll know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, I still feel like an obligation to tell my family, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I told her and she's like, mijo, no será por el divorcio? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, mom, if I thought this long enough about telling you something like this, you know, it's not because of that. Um, so, so I finally told my mom and my mom, I think had the hardest time than my dad, mm-hmm. um, oh, wow. which I thought was going to be the opposite. I told my dad in front of my two uncles, his two brothers mm-hmm. and my, my uncles were super supportive and so was my dad, but they still made it macho for them. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, all right, if anybody wants to mess with you, just let us know. We'll fuck them up. <laughs> And I was like, Wait, okay, you know, like that was a, that spin, right? Yeah, like they had to t- still go there. <laughs> I remember having a private conversation with one of the, my uncles, and uh, he asked me basically what my role was, you know, in this whole difficult conversation. This, yeah, and but he like, oh the, yeah, what? Like, who cares? Nobody. But cares but you know, like that. it was just like, rare, that. but that helped him realize oh, like he's more mad. Oh, he's not, or like you know, like that was the whole. <laughs> You know, when somebody asks that, I just want to be like, mira, déjame, voy a bajar los pantalones, te voy a enseñar. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that, so, fascinating. so fascinating. They're like, all right, maybe that's why they ask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So at this point, I mean, you, you're obviously into fashion and you've been, you've shown your work in, in Mercedes Week, Fashion Week, multiple times. Yeah. How did that all get started? So same friend that I was talking about, we went to school together and he, I was interested in fashion. And then, um, you said we, you went to fashion school. Yeah. I went to fashion school. I, uh, studied, uh, fashion marketing, fashion design. Um, and so I, well, you know, the whole fashion thing goes back to also me being a kid where, where, you know, like we, we were talking earlier about how I, I used to like take my, my, my parents had a factory. And, and so when, when they were doing samples or whatever. Um, uh, and this was at our house already because my mom was doing samples out of the house um, at this point. And uh, I got, I would take spare fabric and just, you know, make make extra clothes for for Barbies. Mm-hmm. My, so you've my always sisters. had this. Yeah, I, I always like, and I don't know, it was like, we didn't have toys. We were poor and fabric was free, you know? So it was like, <laughs> it was like spare fabric. And so like, I would just like, do do like, like your own little Barbie collection, summer, yeah. spring, winter. And then I would I would literally like have like I would see the big trends in the boutiques and I would make them Barbie. That's I would so make cool. them Barbie dresses. Wow. And then um and to the point where like my mom started letting me do shoulder pads on the sewing machines because it was the eighties, you know. So of like course. it was a lot of shoulder pads. <laughs> uh so I would do the shoulder pads. Uh, occasionally I would like throw these weird designs on the shoulder pads and then I get in trouble because I was doing things wrong. <laughs> uh, but I was actually doing things right. She just did not understand that I was designing. <laughs> yeah, I was designing it, but I wasn't uh, she wanted production and I was designing. Uh, <clears throat> and so I was like I started doing Doing that and 
and um, and so that's always been an itch. And when when I when I grew up, when I when I got out of the uh, when I decided to be myself, and I think that was the key when when I left the Marine Corps and I said I'm going to be myself, and then so okay, so what does yourself mean, and what do you want to do, and and who are you? You're, you're, um, and I do these identity checks constantly. Um, because you continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I was very interested in being a fashion designer. And I decided to, uh, I've always been the, the type of person who I take on things and, and I, have, I, I have to do it. And I have to do it well. And I have to do it at the best that I can. And I have to, like, I, I have to compete with everyone. <laughs> but more myself, you know? Like, my, I think I compete with myself to be where... I have told myself in my mind that I'm going to be, and that's the that that other person of who I think I need to be mm -hmm. is the competitive the the person I'm competing against yourself, yeah, which right. is myself. Your next personal record, <laughs> yeah. So then, um, so then I ended up I ended up being a fashion designer. I graduated from school, and um, and six months after I graduated, I was on Mercedes Benz Fashion Week. Um, oh, actually, before that, uh, before even graduating, um, there was a competition for fashion designers to be presented in China. Mm, and I, I said, cool. I, I just saw it and I was like, oh, that's not going to be me. You know, like, but I was like, well, why not? You know, so I, I had some work already and I had already um I didn't know then that I was as good as I was, but then I was like, okay, well, why not compete? And there was like all these New York designers and these uh, designers from all over the nation applying for this, uh, this role. And I said, I'm just going to apply, whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And then months passed by and it was like, it passed by and I, I already knew that I didn't get it. Like there was no way I got it because, you know, I'm like this, I haven't even graduated school yet. Like I'm not even a real designer, but I had already like, plotted myself and I had already had a like I send it as if I said it as if I was already a company uh -huh. so I said yeah I sent my submission as a as Uriel Science the brand you know awesome. nice. so um six months later I get an email and I'm like what no that's way. so cool I'm like you got to go to China yeah I was featured American designer in China wow yeah. this was in 2005 2015 oh, oh wow oh no 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 awesome. 2005 yes can we I do a, 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 a matraca for that? Man. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You hadn't even finished school. You submitted as if yeah. you were like... I was like, what, what can I do? Like, I'm going to... Because the opportunities don't come. Sometimes they're time sensitive. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this opportunity came and I saw it for a reason. So I was like, I'm just going to submit it. Maybe if I would have waited a year because I hadn't been in... I hadn't graduated, that opportunity wouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. right. So I took That's that opportunity. Right. And so that helped me kind of get, get get me global exposure before I even graduated. That must have launched yeah. your career. It pretty much did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. So, so uh, but I was like so consumed in just doing the doing, you know, and and I was, I mean, I was a single parent this whole time. I went through school as a single parent and I, I was in like, and this is not, this is just to put a touch on reality and, and, and to maybe inspire somebody out there is I was a single parent and my mom helped me through through school, and I have I've had I've had some help, but I'm not a single parent where 
where the other parents there for the next weekend, you know, or the other parents. You were 100%. Yeah, I was like 24-7 single parent and I worked a full-time job and I, you know, and I, and I had my own company at the same time and then I went to school and so it was like everything all at once. I remember I would wake up in the morning. I would, my routine was wake up in the morning, take her to, actually it was, I worked the whole night and I would, I would have her, I would, um, I would take her to school, come back, um, do some some work because obviously New York is a different time zone than here. So we're like, let me get ahead of it and mm-hmm. then take a nap and then wake up, pick her up from school, come back and work like the whole night. Wow. That was that was a this is a Monday through Friday routine. Routine, yeah, yeah. Monday through Sunday routine. <laughs> um, and so it was, but it was, but I loved it. So it wasn't work, and everything I've done, I've always loved. So it doesn't feel like work. And I think, I mean, your experience, what you've shared so far, just it's it, it's so um, multi dimensional and so many different facets of your life. I think, I imagine, are very um, are critical to what you do now at the LA Times. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at the LA Times and, and thinking about multi- multiculturalism and how how your vision, um, your the lens you provide, is an important piece of the work that you do. And then also, also within that, tell us a little bit about um, how you've left your way, yeah, your little, your um, your imprint with the with the LA Times. And I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, when we decided to to, I guess, um, I was put into this role. Just I, I kind of created it on my own. It was one of those things where it was. Um, what are we going to do with Uriel kind of thing, you know? And I didn't want to get fired, so I had to... Get creative. Yeah, get creative. But there was a lot of cuts for LA Times. Yeah, was that around was, that time? I, I, well, they, they, I, I went to the LA Times in 2008, so I've been there 10 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was when I, I closed my showroom and closed, you know. Um, uh, so I, I decided that I was going to basically... Um, take on I didn't want to get fired and you know I knew I need to feed my daughter and so I was like I need to create value for myself within this company mm-hmm. and and that is something that I didn't even know I had in me to be honest mm-hmm. I never thought myself as a minority leader or like or a multicultural marketer I mean I come from luxury goods you know mm-hmm. so it was like you, you how how connected is that not often is that connected you know right so one of the things i i I felt is like okay well a lot of these communities are not being represented are not representing the me you know they're representing and they're always being represented as as a minority low income you know um uh, high violence all of those things and so i was like there's no that's not what i think any of these communities want to be uh, represented as, mm-hmm. and so what? Well, one of the things that I launched, and we we that I think is what you were getting to, is um, the Latinos the Oil Awards, which features the accomplishments of Latinos in the U.S. and the contributions of Latinos in 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 the U.S. And it's a unique show because it's the only it's the only show that does this, and we are the only newspaper company that puts together a variety show like this mm-hmm. um, of this capacity in the nation. Um, and, and you started it. This and, is your idea. Yeah, and we, we did start it. <laughs> I, mean, wow. I, mean, we, I, I mean, there's a lot of people. Sure there's a team. Yeah, there's but... a team. But, but yes, um, but yes it was, it, we started with, um, I, it, was, it was going to be a, they wanted to do a panel discussion mm-hmm. of uh, young Latinos in 
in entertainment. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, we're going to spend money doing that or we can spend money doing something that's bigger and greater and, you know, and has bigger, a bigger opportunity. Um, now it's turned into the celebration, um, uh, the ending celebration of Hispanic Heritage mm -hmm. Month uh, nationwide. Uh, we have the, the Hispanic Awards in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, opening up the 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 season of Hispanic Heritage, and then we have Latinos de Hoy closing the season on October fifteenth. So great! It's always in L.A. It's always in L.A. Yeah, it's like a like an award show type of uh, format, or yeah, it's a gala award show. It's kind of like your Oscars, if you want to say um, the the. People we celebrate come from all facets of different industries. It's business, entertainment, um, the arts, um, oh, inspirational award. A we we just honor every Latino in every industry, you That's know so that are and 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 the other the other tool is that it serves as a connector for a lot of Latinos are really strong in their own industry. And they have connections in their own industry. And what we wanted to do was make sure that all of these successful Latinos were in one room and they connected and they engaged and they, you know, and through the power of, of numbers, you know, they, they started telling their stories together and, and working with each other and developing new programs together. And, you know, and, and, and that has happened. Um, you know, we have celebrities that meet an astronaut or, you know, or, or, you know, we have um, also celebrities that, that, that meet book writers and all of a sudden they're contributing and they're doing something together for our community. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of that. There's greater impact than that night. Than just that night and being happy and celebrating. I think one of the takeaways is this is not just a celebration um, and, and, and it's also a it's also kind of like an honor on, honoring kind of like our, our heritage and, and, and our contribution as the LA times to, to this community. And in addition to that contribution of Latinos de hoy, we also develop the multicultural business forums. Oh, okay. We do um, business forums that are, that are um, Asian, African-American, Latino, LGBT women. Um, we do six throughout the year. And those are also focused on, on the on bettering the communities, not necessarily just celebrating. I think I think it's easy to like, oh, here companies are giving money to celebrate your 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 heritage, but it's okay, it's it's okay to celebrate the heritage as long as we're not moving this community forward. Because so we, in other words, you're you're providing more of like the like a technical know how, like something that folks can we're, learn. we're giving we're giving the community tools mm -hmm. to better their own lives. Whereas we're not just celebrating the heritage and um, uh, like other other places or or like you know I think I think I love Cinco de Mayo celebrations and I I think it, I think we need them, but I think we get lost in celebrating our heritage instead of helping our communities evolve or like build uh, on build that. on it build on that like our history is really important. But we need to start building new history, you know, right. and and building our future. Mm -hmm. So, so there's no wonder why in 2016 you were nominated most inspiring Latino by Alegria Magazine. I mean, this is so fascinating to hear everything that you do. I'm just sitting here like, man, when did you have time to do all of this? More most fascinating Latino. Yeah, I most fascinating <laughs> by yeah. Alegria Magazine. So I was, um, I think. What happens is 
I love to work. I really, I, I really love to work. I, I'm, I'm having like a few two weeks, that, the, the past two weeks where I've had like some downtime with new organization and internally. Mm-hmm. And I'm having issues with it because I... Downtime, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, I'm like, what is my job? What do I do? What am I going to work on? And so like, I'm always really busy. And, and so when I'm not, and even though I'm going through a very difficult time with my daughter, I think, I think my... My singular vision, I think, is what has helped my overall story because I think every moment of my life, I have been focused on that one part. Like if I'm at school, I'm focused on school. If I'm like with my daughter, I give my 100% to my daughter. And if I'm working, it's my 100% to work, you know, and, and, and at times my daughter comes, doesn't come first. And at times I don't come first. And at times, you know, my mom doesn't come first. And at times my family doesn't come first. But when I'm with each of these parts of my life, I give it my all. So the results I think show because I'm, I'm able to like kind of, not be so distracted and you know like right now i'm i'm here i'm in an interview you know i'm trying to give you what i can um you're giving us so much so 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 many uh, nuggets of your story that are so inspirational that i think a lot of people can connect to and um but we we haven't talked too much about your your experience now she's a a young woman so bringing someone like like actually raising someone from a child to an adult and uh, how that's been that has been the common thread, I think. The one common thread um, has been my daughter. Um, I wished for a little girl when we when we were trying to have a baby. And, you know, the universe brought me a little girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I already knew I was gay then. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I just did things. <laughs> I just lived life. And I, I, I've actually, as bad as some of the things have been, and, I, you know, I've just enjoyed it. But my daughter... You know, she's going through some stuff right now. Like, it's hard because it's hard because when you're a dad, you're doing everything you can and you're raising your daughter on your own. And, you know, you talk about, you know, even though I'm gay, I still don't know the 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 physical parts of a woman or how they feel, you know, or or some limitations to being a dad and a mom. And 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 regardless, just not not even because, you know, there's obviously the shopping connections that we have, you know, like (laughs) that's really easy. And like, you know, how to apply makeup and all of those things that probably her mom couldn't even teach her well, you know. You've dressed her. I'm sure you've dressed her. You've done the Oh I've yeah I've dressed her. I mean how lucky how lucky would I want a dad that like is like a fashionista and can I've 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 made so many dresses for her um, in, in the poem that I wrote and it's on my Facebook page at Uriel Science US. Oh, um, it's I, I've, read, I've seen that poem. It's beautiful. Yeah, I read the poem. And then there's a line in that poem where I talk about all the amazing dresses I've made her for all these occasions, right? But that I can't wait to make that one special dress, you know, because it's the most important dress. Oh my God. But, um, and, you know, and as I grow her, I've always, I've always tried to empower her and make her feel like she is the 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 one that takes control of her life but you know sometimes life takes control over your life you know um she was recently um abused by her ex by her ex-boyfriend actually very recently and that's the one thing that we're going through now it's is is you know domestic violence is such a big issue in our community mm-hmm. and we don't talk about it we don't as a parent you know i didn't know how to talk to her about menstruation you know, um, I had to read, I had to educate myself. And when it came the time, 
uh, it was seamless, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be the most difficult conversation I would ever have with my daughter. And it turns out that you know, the most difficult conversation I would I was preparing for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I literally was preparing had a pregnancy, pregnancy what I- everything. Like I was just like every scenario I had prepared. I had prepared myself to talk to her through it and prepare her so that she can be ready and more prepared than most women that have moms in the house, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, when, when this domestic abuse started, it's a t- it took a toll on me too. Oh, and I think, I think it was the hardest situation. I've, I've said it. It's the hardest situation I've ever experienced. I, she wanted to move the, out of the house. She wanted to, to do things that were not Priscilla. And then um, coming from a, from a family where my dad was abusive to my mom, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I, it was the hardest thing for me to see. I never wanted to be in a relationship where it was abusive. You know, I, I, I wasn't one and decided that, that we needed to end it because, you know, it was, it was not healthy for both of us. Mm-hmm. And I love this person and, and he loved me. But, you know, it was unhealthy for him and it was unhealthy for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, we decided f- quickly that that was not going to be our situation. So I think like so for me to always like prevent that in a sense of not having that in my life or showing that to my daughter, I thought that that was a way of helping her, you know, and telling her don't be don't do it. But the problem was I really wasn't talking about it. You know, I didn't tell her this. Mm-hmm. I, I think we, there's no, there's hardly any resources. That, like, 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 I think as you said, as you're going down your running list of things, yeah. to prepare your daughter, you don't think, oh, let me prepare you for abuse, abuse. I mean, we talked about the situation my mom went through and all of that. It was a common, everybody knows it. Like, it's not a hidden secret in my family. Um, but it's very different. I think we do a really good job at teaching our youth how to put a condom on a banana, you know, and we don't really necessarily talk about that comes with a lot of other things, mm-hmm. especially at 15, 16, 17, 18, you know? Like, uh, how most, do you protect your soul? How do you protect your person? How do you, yeah. But- how do you stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and not take abuse, you know? You know, how, I, I started seeing text where, you know, I, I started seeing text where he's like, you're supposed to be here in five minutes. You're and I'm like, okay, this is, this is not good. Then I started noticing marks on her arms. And that took it way back to my mom. And I was like, and I told her, what, what's wrong? And she was, she was so depressed and she was not my daughter anymore. Like she was just so removed from who she was mm-hmm. and I could see it. And to not be able to do anything either because like she's 19 now, you know? So it wasn't like, I'm, she's not a kid. And I told her, you know, something's going on. What are those marks? She's like, I fell. And I told her, hold on. First of all, I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. You can de- you can decide you can decide your own story in your head, but that doesn't mean that that's a true story. My my mom said the same thing to my grandfather that she fell, you know, every time or something would happen. And I said, so I know Priscilla, what's going on? I I want you to you know you need to, to get some help, mm-hmm. and I'm here to help you. And you know, and she didn't want the help, and she wanted to help him. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward. The kid comes and he, he's, um, he comes and, you know, finally uh, sends her to the hospital. 
Um, she had to have surgery. She was in the emergency room. Um, she, and, you know, and I told her, look, if you want to move out, I've always, I've always, I've always like supported you in being, in being, you know, an individual. So I want you to do that, but I don't want you to do it for this reason. And so, um, I always wanted to empower her mm-hmm. and it's hard. It's hard to empower her. And her mom just came back into the picture. So she's going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and after 17 years, having your mom come back into the picture and there's a lot of emotions in me and there's a lot of emotions in Priscilla. And then there's this kid who's taking advantage of the situation, um, who's done it to another girl before. So it's not, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not the first time. And the thing is, I've, I've always wondered, like, I feel like the only solution that I could find, because trust me, I got counseling. I tried to get her counseling. I saw the signs. I did everything. Like, I've been asked, like, what, from, from other family members, like, what, what do you think you could have done? And it's like, well, first of all, this is not my fault or Priscilla's fault. Mm-hmm. It's not about what we could have done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's some, some, someone else is not sane. You know what we could have what we could have done is yes maybe run away from the situation, but when you're in it he's he's so he's he's abusive and verbally and mentally and physically and manipulation. you know and man- manipulation and there's so many things that are involved. I think there's a lot of help after these things happen to the women that didn't die. You know, mm-hmm. to all those women that that and men some men you know that 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 were not killed in 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 these situations, but. I think there needs to be a lot more to be done to prevent it. Just like we prevented AIDS or we're trying to prevent AIDS with the condoms, showing condoms. And like, you know, we again, we talk and we prepare them to have sex. We don't prepare them to have a relationship. Right. Yeah. And and that's the conversation we should be having at schools about how do we prepare our kids to be in relationships because they're learning it all on their own. And yeah, not everything's textbook, but it helps. Just like, you know, sexually, not everything's textbook, but it helps. It helps to know how to protect yourself. We were watching um, we, When We Rise, me and my daughter, uh, recently, and this is after her incident. Is this uh, a documentary? Or? The documentary, the uh, LGBT community. Mm. And you guys have to watch it, everybody, When We Rise. When We Rise. Yeah. Rise. yeah. Have you seen it? Was, I have not. Oh. It was on ABC. It was best. It was a good history lesson for me, and we should we should be... We should have these materials at schools. Um, but we're looking at it, and she says, very naive, you know. She says, wow, it, there was a scene about about AIDS, and everybody was contracting AIDS, and they went to a bathhouse, and, you know, and they're, they're, she, she's like, well, Dad, why didn't they just use condoms? <laughs> and I go, like, this is why this needs to be told, because back then— Condoms exist because of this. Right. Yeah. You know? And so now you guys know. And she was like, she had like a realization. She's like, oh, now I get it. Mm-hmm. And these are that's why I'm saying these things need to be told. And if we do that same thing with with domestic violence and we talk about we talk about we show the pictures. When I when I had the pictures, when I when I when I got the pictures of Priscilla, 
And I took some pictures and I wanted to share them with everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to respect her decisions and I have to, I still have to respect my daughter's privacy. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm always sharing some of the stuff now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, I think it's important for young girls to see it. My, 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 my niece, my nieces, I wanted, my sister was wondering whether my niece should come over and see her and not, you know, because it would, might be traumatic or whatever. Um, I feel like they need to see it in order for it to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, if if a, if a young girl can see it beforehand, not after, because there's a lot of, and I know because I've been to the help, I've been to Al-Anon and Alateen and all of that with my parents. So I know that there is a lot of help after. Mm-hmm. But how can we prevent how can we prevent it mm-hmm. you know so that's a that's a message there well um we really appreciate you telling us i know it's very difficult and and you and your daughter are navigating through this and um i think if it's what's helpful is just that i'm sure there's some listeners out there that have been in these situations or have loved ones that have experienced violence in this way and and and, and i think it's just a journey we're probably all going to learn and yeah. and 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 hopefully I mean, I'm sure as you're experiencing, you're finding some tools and resources that are helpful. And um, well, we, we hope the best for her. And she's so lucky to have you as a father. Absolutely. And uh, we're, we're thinking about her and, and all the all, all women and men that are are ever in this situation, because it's a very, very common um, thing, unfortunately, very common in our community. Yeah. And when um, we do need to find the, the right spaces to speak about it. Yeah. So thank you for for sharing yeah, that. That's that's actually like it's it's an American epidemic, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we f- we failed to talk about it. It happens in every race, every color, every, every ethnic economical uh, uh, circle. It just it's it doesn't have any. It's like it's like this. I mean, I don't want to compare it to AIDS, but it's like the same. It's still it's a disease like that, you know, where where if we allow it to take over our 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 nation it will wow. we have another disease that already took over it it's tough i know <laughs> an orange one we had an orange disease that took over it <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to get into politics no totally fine <laughs> we get into that all the time well um uriel th- thank you so much for sharing your story i think i think it's I, you've shared so much and it's just a fascinating experience that your experience is is fascinating and all the different um hats that you wear every day and we're um we think that you're 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 doing some wonderful things in your, in your community Thank latinos you. de hoy is is great and all of the awards and recognition that you've received are obviously very well deserved so thank you very much for speaking to us we really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me gracias Wow, well, that was a very uh, vulnerable and um, powerful conversation with our friend Uriel. Yeah, thank you so much, Uriel, for sharing, you know, this so uh, such a personal topic, but we really appreciate it. Yes, and I think I'm sure there's many listeners that um, as, as parents, I can't imagine anything worse than, than having to, um, you know, feel helpless in, in, in trying to help your daughter. So we wish you, wish you all the very best. And um, thank you again for talking about those very, very personal topics with us. So it was very powerful. So uh, we just want to tell our guests, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. I know many times we try to, we do very like lighthearted and fun topics, but you know, some of our most valued episodes have been very personal and, yes. and, um, um, 
sometimes somber topics. So if you like this episode and on any of our other episodes, please write us a review on iTunes and subscribe to Tamarindo Podcast. You can use the hashtag support brown podcast in any time that you're uh, telling friends about this and other Latino produced podcasts. And what else do you have, Luis? What other podcasts can you recommend to our listeners? Well, there's one podcast that I'm definitely recommending, and that's Nos Vemos en el Swat Meet. So please listen. What is it for our listeners? Tell us it's more a spinoff it. of uh, basically what I say at the end of every episode, which is Nos Vemos en el Swat Meet. So I go out to the Swat Meets here in Southern California, and I interview random people and just start talking to them, hear about their story, and I've been able to capture some amazing stories. Great. This is mostly in Spanish, but a it's little bit of Spanish. Mo- yeah, it's mostly in Spanish, a little bit of English, but uh, yeah, definitely mostly in Spanish. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to, again, write us a review, share this episode. Please. And pon tu suéter. Y nos vemos en el swap meet. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.